0: Is actually, you are a real runner, with Jacqueline Riccio. All right, today we are going to talk about how to deal with trigger foods. This is a big one. I remember a couple of months ago I was reading um, another health coach's Instagram, and she was like, "Okay, cool. You know, I'm going to help you lose weight. First thing I want you to do is make a list of all of your trigger foods." And then vow to never buy these. Like, make sure you don't buy these foods because they're a trigger. Um, if you eat them, you know you're going to eat all of them. So get them out of the house. And I think that this is like this is the common thing, and probably something that maybe I used to do, or possibly even told other people to do. But what happens is then that stuff is. Always a trigger food. And additionally, that list starts to expand. Oh my gosh. So when I started my whole like health journey, like let me figure things out, like there were so many other things happening in my life. Like I was really unhappy with my career, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I was so stressed out, right? And so I went through a lot of different changes, and this was also the same time that I started running. So there were a million different pieces moving, and there were a lot of different variables and um you know i was doing whole 30 and i started training for marathons like things so i was never eating vegetables and then i went from 0 to 100 i need all the vegetables and i went from 0 to 100 I'm, i don't even know how to run a mile i think i should train for a marathon and let me do three more um right so like kind of crazy things so many moving parts and this idea that i was somehow got to like this perfect health this perfect body um and in order to do so i needed to have perfect foods And any foods that did not fit into it being perfect, I couldn't eat. So like with Whole30, right? So I was like, oh my gosh, I can't eat any of these foods because I can't read any of the ingredients on the label. I'm going to get sick and die. Like, okay. (laughs) No, like obviously, obviously, um, yeah, the less processed food is, the more like whole foods that we eat that don't have labels, that is the best for our health. Is that going to be how we eat for the rest of our lives? Like- are we always going to know exactly what's in our foods and have these perfect foods and perfect food situations? No. Um, if we keep striving for that, the amount of life we're allowed to live, like this thing we're doing to get healthy, um, it becomes really hard to go out in public. It becomes really hard to eat, um, to go anywhere because we're so hyper-focused on things being perfect. And so it's really easy to to maintain perfect circumstances, And like have controlled variables when you're in your home becomes a lot more difficult when you're out and about and you're at your parents' house, um, you're at a restaurant, you try to go to another country. Oh my gosh, I just can't imagine if I had tried to go to Thailand while I was trying to do Whole30 or Paleo. Like, are you kidding me? That would not have worked. Um, and all of my time and energy would have been spent on like searching for paleo food in another country. Like that's ridiculous. So no, that this isn't going to work. Um, and trigger foods, um, if we keep labeling it them trigger foods, well, it, it just doesn't. You know, it doesn't help us in the long run. It might help us in the short run. Putting that label on it, if our goal is to lose weight as fast as we can, like the most amount of weight in the least amount of time. Yeah, I probably would remove all of my trigger foods. Um I probably would only be eating the blandest of foods like broccoli chicken and rice, like steamed broccoli, like I would just I would probably make it really boring, really easy, really um like food wouldn't if my goal was only to lose weight as fast as I can. Um my goal wouldn't be finding joy with food. My goal would just be treating food purely as fuel. Um, So we'll see this like maybe with people that are competing in bodybuilding competitions or bikini competitions where the focus really is just on what their body looks like and not their joy in life. And if you've listened to past episodes, um, I've had people on the show that have said, like I did a 12-week bikini competition, you know, uh, meal plan prep. I worked out, you know, I did cardio for an hour a day. I did lifting for an hour a day. I went to my job and I followed this meal plan and I lost all this weight. And then, you know, after twelve weeks, I binged and I gained 30 pounds in two weeks because I, I didn't know what to do. My body was going through this starvation. There's famine. There was this feast. So, you know, not having our trigger foods in the house, um, It kind of sets us up for those things. So if you have a pencil or on your phone or whatever, I want you to right now make a list. And if you're driving, you can just listen and make kind of a little mental note of these things. But like make a list of all of those safe foods, right? Um, and so they're probably going to be really basic things but those safe foods that you're like, yeah like I know how to eat this so I don't ever go overboard so take a minute you can pause if you need to and make a list of those safe foods okay and then the next thing you want to do is make a list of all of your quote trigger foods the things that they are really hard to eat I think in whole 30 she called these um, well the things that would feed your sugar dragon. Um, That you like like you you couldn't have a little bit um they would just they were irresistible they were cravings they were carby they were comfort foods so make a list of those things so for me I know um, in the past bread like I used to sit down at a restaurant and eat like 17 pieces of bread or tortilla chips at a Mexican restaurant chocolate cookies chips pizza Talked about pizza alcohol um things that are really easy to consume um in mass quantities um we don't usually get full and if we look at this list like bread chocolate cookies pizza a lot of these things are carbs right um wheat there's wheat in there there's sugar in there there's they're not complex carbohydrates like sweet potatoes they're processed um simple carbohydrates um, really easy to eat quickly, eat a lot in a short uh, amount of time, don't provide a lot of nutrients. And so those those are like these foods that um, I don't know how many times I have conversations with clients and like, oh, I just you know I ate pizza and I feel so bad. And it's like, really? It's pizza. Like, it's not the worst thing in the world. There are so many other things that are worse than eating pizza, so many other worse things that you can do to your body or do to your health, or to your well-being than eating pizza. Even just the stressing out about the pizza, pizza, and the worry and the anxiety—that's doing a lot of um, damage to ourselves. Besides just eating the freaking pizza. And so, the common answer to dealing with trigger foods, what you'll see on the internet, what you'll see, what you'll see from most health coaches, possibly from personal trainers. Um, basically, from people that are teaching you how to lose weight in the fastest amount of time as possible, or um, right, and so they may maybe it's for their benefit to get, you know, a photo of you, like your before and after, and show this quick transformation so that they, they can market their services to other people. The common answer is get rid of those things. Don't eat bread. Like, people struggle with moderation, so the common answer is get rid of all the things that you struggle to eat moderately. And that works, right? That works until it doesn't work. Until, what do I do when I go to a Mexican restaurant and there are tortilla chips on the table and I actually want to have some. I actually enjoy tortilla chips. What do I do? If we have only experienced removing these things from our diet, the way we eat, if we've only experienced removing them, we don't know how to have them without going overboard. So we already have in our head, if I have these foods, if I have bread, that's a trigger food, I'm going to go overboard. Um, I save a lot of quotes on my phone, and we're going to talk about this today, but um, I save a lot of these things because it just, like, they keep me going. Like, so I'll see a screen, uh, a picture on Pinterest or Instagram or Facebook or as I'm searching the internet and kind of screenshot it um, to remind myself of things or to use later on. Um, But I love this quote that your mind will always believe everything you tell it. Feed it faith, feed it truth, feed it love. And so if we're telling ourselves, we're telling our mind over and over and over, bread is a trigger food, bread is going to continue being a trigger food. It, it just is. There's no way to change your relationship with bread if you're always telling yourself bread is a trigger food. When I eat bread, I go overboard. It's just, there's like, you already told yourself, you're, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You already know what's going to happen, right? Listen to that episode with Lauren Graham, uh, where we talk about neuro-linguistic programming, NLP. Um, a lot of our lives, the actions we take are based on the beliefs that we have about ourselves and about the things that are happening in our life. And so we want to change the things that are happening. We have to change our beliefs. Um, And I say this a lot. Abstinence works until it doesn't. And I'm particular in using the word abstinence because I do think that the same way that we approach food can be seen in the way that we approach sex. And so if we only teach people to not have sex, like abstain from sex, and we never teach – I know, it's kind of getting a little risky, guys. If we only teach um, abstinence and we don't teach safe sex, people become afraid of sex, and, or it becomes this thing that's, like, taboo. Um, if we don't ever teach that sex can be enjoyable – Um, That it's okay to experience pleasure and be okay with it Then it becomes this big scary thing or it becomes this taboo thing and this quote from Melissa Pinter um, Kanagy she says sex leads to pleasure more often than it leads to pregnancy tell the kids the truth So they're prepared and not scared and I think the same thing about food we as Americans set up so much fear and hate around food. Like we have this weird, weird relationship where we fear food and we love food and also we hate it. And it's just this like really messed up relationship with food. And if we came to this place where we had a healthy relationship with food, it wouldn't have as much power over us. I think about um, in Mean Girls when Coach Carr A gym teacher is teaching sex education, and he says, "Don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die." That's the only message that we hear. If we hear that, like what, like what's our like our actions with sex? Our our beliefs around sex? We're scared of it. It's not like, oh my gosh, this is like a bad thing. And I think the same thing. If we only approach food or sugar or trigger foods or processed foods is like, don't have trigger foods because you will binge and you will die. Then that sets it up there. And just telling ourselves that, you know, be afraid of this thing, hate this thing, demonize this thing, it doesn't actually, for some of us, it doesn't make us steer away from that. Um, I know that when I was really struggling with food, I would say, don't eat the pizza, don't eat the pizza, the pizza is bad, it's not Whole30 approved, it's not paleo, it's not clean, and telling myself this over and over and over again, and then I would still eat it. And because I had this belief that it was a trigger food, I would binge on it, and then I would just feel this massive guilt. So it's like I could have had this enjoyable experience eating pizza, eating in a way that felt great for my body, where I was like, oh, I'm actually tasting the pizza and eating it and like enjoying it. Instead, it was this, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be doing this. Um, I'm going overboard. Now I'm eating the pizza in a way that doesn't feel good for my body, um, because I don't know what it's like to have a safe and healthy relationship with pizza, with trigger foods. Um, And I think that, especially as women, that the way that we approach things with our body and with food, we'll start to see mirrors. We'll start to see this theme um, if we dig in a little bit. Um, That's why I think it's so important that we don't just, no, Jacqueline, I just want to lose weight as fast as possible. I'm going to do keto. I'm going to count macros. There are things that are hidden under there that it's like really scary to uncover. Like this is like deep and you're just like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. I just, I just want to lose weight because it's bikini season too soon. Um, and I'm not saying that you can't lose weight and I'm not saying, right? Like you can eat in a way that feels good and you can move your body. But like until you uncover these hidden deep things, these things are, these things are going to pop up again. Um, there's this quote from Janine Roth. Um, she says, Who you are on the journey is who you will be when you arrive. So if you approach food in this very scary way um, where it's not an enjoyable experience, even if you lose weight, you're going to be miserable when you get to whatever that goal weight is. You're going to be miserable when you get there because the process was miserable. You set up a lot of fear, right? So it's important to kind of just like uncover these things, um, explore them a little bit, and – Practice, right? Like, this doesn't get solved overnight. I never put this guarantee of, like, you know, everything, you know, solve your relationship with food in just 90 days. Like, that's not how it works. It's more of so of, like, hey, we're going to take these steps and we're going to work together. We're going to uncover these things and then we're going to practice new thoughts and beliefs. So, that mindset, we're going to practice new thoughts and beliefs about ourselves and we're going to take actions around our meals and around movements and we're going to build these healthy relationships um so what do you do like tactical so you've been talking a lot about like these deep things but tactical like what do you do with your sugar food set it's still the same like the the process doesn't change um i'm big on the three p's right so the first thing is we have to make sure that we're giving our body what it needs. our body needs plants we need vegetables we need fruit We need complex carbohydrates. We need, you know, potatoes. We need um, whole grains. We need those things. Um, We need protein. It's really hard to feel full, to feel nourished if you're not eating plants and protein. So protein, it could be animal products. It could be um, uh, edamame. It could be beans. There's protein in there. It could be protein powder. It could be eggs. You know, there's protein in a lot of different things, right? So eating those meals that are hearty, and feeling and feel good for our bodies, and then the processed foods, the trigger foods. So that third P, we, we practice having it. So some ways that I practice having it is one, <laughs> I don't call it trigger foods. Trigger food has a really, um, it puts it up on a pedestal. I I'm okay with calling things processed fun foods. Like I know that cookies are processed. I know, um, I don't know. It just kind of takes away the stigma. Yeah, I eat processed food. No big deal. Like, I'm still alive. And so I feel comfortable saying those things. Um, but if you don't feel comfortable saying the word process, you still have, like, oh, no, it's so bad. Call it a fun food. Cookies are fun foods. Like, they are. Girls' bell cookies are delicious and fun. Um, crunching up tortilla chips on your salad, that's delicious and fun. Eating Easter bread that your aunt makes, that's that's fun. That's delicious. It, there's, like, cultural significance. It's not just about fuel, um, we're thinking about bodybuilders. It's not just about that. So we're going to make sure that we're eating plenty of plants, plenty of protein, and we're going to make sure that we're practicing having those foods that scare us. So one way that we can do it is having a little bit with our meals. Um, so sometimes I'll post examples of like a salad, like I said, with, um, some crunch up tortilla chips. Or with some feta cheese on there sometimes I'll make like a little adult lunchable um, and I'll have a piece or two of candy of like holiday candy with my meal right so I'm setting myself up for success I'm still having plenty of food to eat so I'm giving like biologically hungry like I'm giving my body what it needs no one's ever gonna get full off of eating Reese's peanut butter cups so I'm giving my body what it needs and then I'm slipping those in and practicing having them in a way that is safe. I feel um, like I feel safe. I feel like I can handle this. I'm not opening um, an entire box of chocolates in front of me and making in this big thing like, oh my gosh, you have to deal with all these chocolates here now. No, it's like these single servings, right? So I'm just having those with my meals. Or I might be having them at the end of the evening, again, in a way that feels safe. So for me... When I was finishing Whole30, I was, like, so afraid to have dessert in the house. What felt safe at the time, and honestly, actually, I felt super uncomfortable and nervous about it, but having – I would mix protein powder, chocolate protein powder with, like, almond milk and make little brownies, and I would feel so nervous about that. I would feel so guilty about it, and I had to remind myself, Jacqueline, there's going to be a time that you're seven years old. You want to be afraid of chocolate when you're 70. Like, this is ridiculous. You're following all of these rules about food. It is chocolate. Like it, it's not a hardcore drug. It's chocolate. Get over it. You're fine. So I had to remind myself of these things. And again, this is the opposite. Like this is the opposite of what I had practiced for like two or three years under Whole 30. Oh my gosh, chocolate's the worst. You're, you know, how dare you eat chocolate at the end of your meal, right? Like, and then it became like, well, I don't, I don't want to follow that person's rules. I want to eat in a way that feels good for me. I want to feel Um, I'm going to eat according to how my body wants to eat. And so even with you, like you might take things from me, steal them, practice them, and find out actually I don't want chocolate at the end of the night. I like having chocolate in the afternoon. Do that, right? So it's kind of like you take what you need and then you figure out how you want to eat for yourself. It's super helpful to have these examples, but you shouldn't be eating exactly how I eat. Um, your life is different, your body is different, your needs are different, you live in a different area, um, you might be listening to this podcast at a different time and I recorded it, and there's different foods that are available. If you're in a different country, there's different foods, right? So we have to practice what feels good for us. We can steal things from other people. We have to do what's right for us. Um, I just want you to know that you know more about your body, you know more about yourself, your personality, than any person out there on the internet, than any person's podcast, than any person's diet book, than any person's blog. You know more about you than I know about you, right? And so you have to practice this trust in yourself. And this is hard. This is hard because you've been taught for so long to not trust yourself. Um, you've been taught that you don't, you can't trust your hunger, that you can't trust your cravings. I was just reading in. Um, the 21 Day Fix Extreme Eating Plan. I was thinking about starting a new workout program and I just kind of randomly looked at the meal plan book and it's, there's this question and it says, how do I know if I'm getting enough food? And the first question, the first answer says, generally, hunger and cravings aren't great indicators that you're not eating enough. And so right off that, their first sentence is saying, don't trust your hunger, don't trust your cravings. What I'm saying is, practice trusting your hunger. Practice trusting your cravings. Practice eating foods for your cravings. Um, I just had a call with a client today who said a few weeks ago she let herself eat a cookie. She had been like fantasizing about this cookie. It's like chocolate chip cookies are her favorite. And in the past when she had been doing diets, chocolate cookies were, chocolate chip cookies, you know, worst thing. how dare she eat them. And so she would still eat them. Um, but now she's eating them and she's feeling guilty about it. And then she's also going overboard because she knows the only way out of this mess is to do a diet where she's not going to be allowed to have cookies. So she would go overboard. There was like this um, impending fear of scarcity. So she would go overboard and over consume chocolate chip cookies because there was going to be a time she wasn't allowed to have chocolate chip cookies. Um, so she probably labeled it in the past a trigger food. And then look, look what happens. She went overboard. Ah, Look. It became a trigger food. She binged on cookies. So what happened that was different was the, a few weeks ago, she had the chocolate, she had this craving for a chocolate chip cookie. She let herself have the chocolate chip cookie. And then that was it. Like, like it was fine. Um, sometimes I get asked this question, what do we do? Well, you know, how do, what do I do about my cravings? And it's like, well, you can, you know, keep trying to fill up on other foods, or you can just eat the thing that you want and be done with it. The fear is, no, if I let myself do that, I'm going to fall apart. But I, you know, go back and like, well, what happened? What's happened in the past? Has this craving kept popping up? Have you ever actually allowed yourself to eat this food without turning it into this big, giant, stressful, anxious, you know, anxiety-ridden ball of mess of emotions around food? Have you ever just practiced like, actually, I'm just going to eat this and it's going to be fine? Right. So we have to kind of we have to do something different. If we want a different result, we have to do something different. And usually that quote is applied to when we're doing weight loss, (laughs) like, you know, push harder. Like if you want different results, you have to do something different. And I'm using that quote in a different way. Like if you want to have a healthier relationship with food, you have to do something different. Um, If you want to have a healthy relationship with food, you have to stop calling foods your trigger foods. So you have to put them all on kind of the same level. I'm sure there's a continuum of like maybe what's more nutrient dense and what's less nutrient dense. But like if you were on a deserted island and the only thing available, you know, were trigger foods, were processed foods, you would eat it and you would be fine and you actually would live versus no, I can only eat organic kale on this deserted island, right? Right. So you're not going to die from these foods. You're not going to binge and die unless you keep telling yourself that you're going to binge on these foods. And I really think that it's okay. Um, I think, again, people, we are just so afraid of the Jacqueline, like, I'm going to mess up. I'm going I'm to eat all of the foods. Um, and to that, yeah, there are going to be times that you mess up. But the thing that's even scarier than messing up is five years down the line, this still being an issue, 10 years down the line, 70 years old, like being 70 years old and still trying to follow whatever new diet is coming out, still trying to track calories or track macros on your phone when you're seven years old. Like who the hell cares? Like why? (laughs) Right? Like that's even scarier. Being in the same place two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, or being in a worse off place, that's even scarier. So while it might be scary to mess up and accidentally go overboard and eat a whole bunch of cookies, it's even scarier to have these foods still be trigger foods. That scares me more, and I don't want that for you. I didn't want that for myself, and I don't want that for you listening. Um, And I'm going to finish up with a quote from Gary Vee, a running quote, and he says, when you're running a marathon, don't worry about how sprinters are doing. So if you are working on your relationship with food, there are going to be people who are sprinting. They're not running the same race, right? So if you're running a 26.2 marathon, 26.2 mile, you know, marathon, and there are people that um, are not running a marathon, they're doing a 5K, they're doing something even shorter, they're just running a mile, they're just running 200 meters, they're gonna be sprinting, their goal is different. There are gonna be people, especially now, when the weather is getting warmer, Um, we see, this is kind of like the time that we see more diets pop up, more workout programs, you know, get beach ready, bikini ready. We're gonna see these pressures of like losing weight really fast, and those are sprinters. Those people are, they're doing a different race. Maybe you used to be a sprinter. Um, Maybe you were trying to do one of those, you know, get fast results in 30 days. And that hasn't worked out in the past, right? Or maybe it worked for a little bit. Di- diets do work for a little bit, but long-term, they don't work. When you're running a marathon, you need a different skill set. It takes longer to train. Um, there are different obstacles that you have to overcome. And I want you to remember that, that there are going to be people in your life um, that are working on different goals and that's okay, but you don't have to worry about them You're working on your thing and, and it's going to take longer but also it's not because <laughs> You've been you've done the sprints and those kind of it's like the rabbit and the tortoise The The rabbit is starting and stopping starting and stopping The tortoise is kind of moving slowly and in the long run is a lot further. I look at um, I know some people that did whole 30 at the same time as me and continue to do Whole30 and continue to do paleo or clean eating and a lot of this start and stopping and Kept going back to no. I just have to be a clean eater. I just have to be a clean eater I just have to remove gluten from my diet even when not even though they were not gluten um, Sensitive or celiac um, But just like on and off right they're still doing the on and off switch three four five years later and I think about well deciding I don't want to have that be my life and kind of where I'm at with food that things have pretty much leveled off that I can go to places and I can do things like we're we were running a different race and it takes time <laughs> and it takes time to decide to do the marathon than to do the sprint So don't be scared by those people that are running a different race. Um and let's see. So yeah that was a lot. So Trigger foods, stop calling them your trigger foods, practice having processed fun foods, enjoy this experience, enjoy your life, enjoy your relationship with food because it can lead to more pleasure and it can lead um, to joy, experiences, fun things and it doesn't always have to be this negative experience, just a different way of looking at it. So I know that this is kind of scary and I know a lot of you are interested And you're just like, oh, I want to learn more about this, but I'm not really like ready to go all in. This is kind of scary. This is like a completely different shift. Um, And I get it. So I want to make it really super easy. Um, If you're still on the fence, but you're like curious, and you are like, well, tell me more about this. A really super low stakes way to get started on this is with my three week intro to imperfect eating course. Um, It's really easy. Uh, You will will receive emailed videos going through the course. And then if you sign up now, I have a 20-minute success session strategy call that we'll do just to make sure that what it is you're struggling with is being addressed and you know kind of how to run your marathon instead of doing these sprints over and over. Because again, these things are going to pop up, especially in the next few weeks. So remember, the course is 20 bucks for podcast listeners. The link is in the show notes. Um, Yeah, and I'm really excited. I know that this can feel really intimidating, but you're curious. You're showing up. You're listening to this. So I really want to get you started on that. So see the link in the show notes, and I will be back soon. All right, guys. Take care.